This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Yeah, I know. Hang on a second. I think there's someone following me. Yeah, I have my boat right here. I'll be safe. You back. Don't be a victim to a would-be attacker. Carry the Taser Bolt and stay safe. With one simple tap of the button, the Taser Bolt delivers a powerful, continuous 30-second volt of electricity without requiring you to hold down or touch the device, giving you time to take your attacker down and escape safely. Taser International will even replace your bolt upon sending them a copy of the police report free of charge. Get it now at pjsafety.com. While you're there, explore our family of non-lethal personal defense products to increase your defense capability and safety. Be proactive and get to pjsafety.com and choose from thousands of easy-to-use personal defense products right now. Tasers, stun guns, sprays, security alarms, and more. pjsafety.com. That website again, pjsafety.com. Your safety begins at pjsafety.com. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Okay, conservative and Republican voters and supporters, the GOP nomination for president is over. You can all stop with the circular firing squad. Welcome to the program. For those of you out here who are still saying never Trump, stop yourself. For those of you who are saying Trump cannot win in November and are predicting a landslide that Mrs. Bill Clinton will win all 50 states, stop it. And for Trump supporters, stop already with the gloating as if you have won the general election. You didn't. The real fight is ahead. I have said time after time, I'm not for a person. I'm for the survival of this constitutional republic. That's first and foremost for me. I have put aside my self-interest and my self-centered, egotistical meism, because the republic is more important than that or any one person. For you never-Trump people, stop blaming Donald Trump because your candidate could not connect with voters. That's what elections are about, connecting with voters. But I'm not going to sit up here and tell Cruz, Rubio, Jeb supporters, and the other ones to just get in line. Bullshirt. I said shirt. Because Donald Trump, for all his vitriolic rhetoric directed toward people on the same side that he is, he's now going to have to earn their votes. He's going to have to be willing to humble himself and maybe even beg for conservative votes. Yes, he might have to do that. It is not a matter of just get on board. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask the Never Trump people to put the emotion of losing aside and to put your individual self-interest aside. Yes, that's what it is. It is your individual self-interest. And to put the survival of our constitutional republic First, that is more important than your self-interest. And that's going to be a hard thing for a lot of people to swallow. I understand that. Why do you think from the beginning, and it's just advice, I don't really care what you do with your vote. 
I don't really care what you do with, um, you know, if you want to sit it out. and It's your vote. But think republic first, you second. And I think if you do that, you'll come to your senses. But I'm not telling you to get on board and vote for Donald Trump. Donald Trump's going to have to earn your vote. That's his job now. That's not my job. You vote for whoever you want. But I, I, I advise people in the beginning, I said, be careful about getting on a horse too early because you may have to dismount. Well, folks, here is that dismount moment. We're at it right now. The crew supporters are going to have to dismount. I did not say they're going to have to get on board the Trump train. I did not say that. But you're going to have to dismount. The Rubio people, the Jeb Bush people, you're going to have to dismount. I don't know what you do from here. But stop with this never Trump crap. All it is is emotion. And I understand how you feel at this point. But let's look at why we're at this point. Let's remember this, folks. We're at this point because of the GOP and the RNC continually pulling the football away from us as we go to try to kick it like Lucy does every time to Charlie Brown. We're at this Trump moment because the GOP colluded with Obama on the trillion-dollar stimulus that bailed out the banks and the auto industry and did little else to improve the lives of average Americans. We're at this Trump point because of the out-of-control spending that continues even under a GOP-controlled com- Congress. Remember that craptacular omnibus bill? It funded all of Obama's priorities for his final year in office. We're at this Trump point because neither party in Congress is really interested in immigration reform that truly seals the borders and at least deports criminal illegal aliens for any criminal act, not serious criminal act, for any illegal act. We're at this point because even after the horrible death of Kate Steinle, at the hands of an illegal alien who has been deported time and time again, only to return to continue his criminal ways with the help of sanctuary cities that give him a safe harbor, the GOP Congress still refused to defund sanctuary cities. We're at this Trump moment in the GOP because even after Planned Parenthood, that vile organization founded by black-hating Margaret Sanger, whose bus still sits in the Smithsonian, by the way, as we dismantle statues in the Confederacy. Think about that. So even after Planned Parenthood, whose, whose founder, Margaret Sanger, sought to exterminate the Negro population from the country, that Planned Parenthood, that was cutting up and harvesting fetal parts to sell in the open market to the highest bidder, that even after that, the GOP-controlled Congress would not put into the omnibus bill an amendment to defund, defund Planned Parenthood. And what has been the excuse for all this? Well, it's John Boehner's fault. So let's just pass this bill 
that funds all of Obama's priorities in his final year. And then let's just move forward. We're at this point, this Trump moment in the GOP, because the GOP-controlled Senate allows liberal activist judges like Wilhelmina Wright, who call Ronald Reagan a racist and who call the U.S. Constitution a racist document, to be confirmed to win Senate confirmation to the federal bench. She had to survive GOP confirmation. A Dem-controlled Senate wouldn't allow that. Harry Reid wouldn't have allowed that. So all we've gotten for our blind allegiance to the RNC and the GOP politicians in their donor class has been capitulation and surrender to the Democrats and the obliteration of our legally constituted republic. Like many of you, I'm done with that. I said all along, go back and listen to the podcast. I dare you to find a gotcha moment. I said time and time again, I don't have a horse in this race yet. I will support the Republican nominee for president of the United States. And and unlike some of you, that does not Make me an apostate. I haven't sold out anything. I still believe in the rule of law. I still believe in limited government. I still believe in lower taxes. I still believe in military superiority. I still believe that the Constitution, with that rule of law, that the Constitution protects individuals and not groups, that you don't derive your constitutional protections from membership in a group. And I believe in more rights for the states. If we're ever going to deconstruct Washington, and that's what needs to happen. We have to deconstruct, not fix it, not tweet it. You know what? And I'm going to hold Donald Trump's feet to the fire. In the next segment, we're going to talk about how Washington works. We're going to talk about one of those, why we're at this Trump moment in the GOP. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss Pat and Stu. You know, Donald Trump isn't represented by the American flag. I don't know if they're aware of that. So to burn the American flag is, that's not against just Donald Trump. That's against America. When they keep doing this time and time again at these immigration rallies, is it ever time to say, okay, I don't want to hear anymore that these are just hardworking, America-loving people who just want to be a part of our country. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Okay, we're going to spend some time now on how Washington really works or on how Washington really does not work might be an appropriate way of doing it. Whenever Democrats and Republicans work together, the American people, we the people, get screwed. I know many of you know that and understand it. But yet we keep sending these people back to Washington, D.C., And we, the people, 
on the right anyway. The conservatives put enough pressure on the House of Representatives to throw John Boehner overboard. He needed to go, but the job wasn't done. They should have done the same to Mitch McConnell, and they let him survive. And as a result, we're still paying for it. You cannot do half a job. When you are on a mission, and our mission was to send the GOP in Congress a message about the 2014 midterms, that we meant it when we said we want this stuff stopped. They didn't hear us. So they gave up John Boehner, the political establishment, the establishment elites, the political elites in the Congress. They gave up John Boehner as a sacrificial lamb, thinking that that would quiet the wolves. And it did. So the spending continues in Washington, D.C. And I, I, I take, I'm taking this from the Daily Signal. This is by Josh Siegel. Senate's first spending bill expected to advance without major conservative policy writer. While Senate leaders are hoping to earn final passage on a $37.5 billion energy and water spending bill this week, the legislation lacks amendments pushed by conservatives and boosts spending levels above President Barack Obama's budget request. Think about that for a minute. The GOP-controlled Senate is going to put forth a spending package that spends above President Barack Obama's budget requests. And we want to sit up here and blame Barack Obama for the $19 trillion in debt that this country faces? That did not happen alone. That happened with the GOP's approval and blessing. Look at that last craptacular omnibus spending package. Back to the story here. One of those amendments would have blocked funding for a major environmental protection agency rule. Last week, Senate Republicans fell short of the 60 votes needed to thwart the EPA's Water of the United States rule. The vote was 56 to 42 with four Democrats joining Republicans, and they still couldn't get it through. If the Senate had passed the amendment, it would have been attached to the fiscal year 2017 Energy and Water Appropriations Measure, which funds the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and Department of Interior. Obama vowed to veto the bill if amendments like this were adopted. Of course, every time Obama threatens the GOP, McConnell cowers. The Kentucky Republican, Mitch McConnell, has said repeatedly his top priority for 2016 is to pass all 12 spending bills appropriating money for the different government agencies and controversial amendments would make that more difficult. What does that signal to you? We are not going to fight. That's what it signals signals to me. We're more interested in how this thing looks. McConnell's goal is to show Republicans can govern in an election year and to avoid an all-out, all-in-one omnibus spending bill that has become the norm in Congress. No, so they'll part and parcel increase spending, creating that illusion. Remember what I talked about last week? Politics in Washington, D.C. is nothing more than creating an illusion. 
Back to the story. So this year, the Senate is proceeding with its appropriations process earlier than normal, with McConnell deciding to move spending bills that abide by last year's Bipartisan Budget Act, which set total government discretionary spending at $1.07 trillion. Did you hear me? Were you listening? story says here the 37.5 billion energy and water spending spending bill adheres to the cap set by the act which was negotiated by former speaker john boehner and and obama it boosts spending by 355 million dollars above fiscal year 2016 including a 1.163 billion increase for the department of energy's defense related programs don't get excited by that because it also includes an $808 million decrease for non-defense areas. The bill comes in at $261 million above Obama's budget request. Conservatives who believe that spending figure is too high believe that attaching amendments or policy riders to the spending bill is a way of fulfilling priorities such as blocking funding for programs they don't like. And Mitch McConnell won't have it. But seeking a drama-free approach appropriations process, Senate leaders have pledged to pursue spending bills free of, quotation marks, controversial riders. So listen to this, folks. Less spending is now controversial in Washington, D.C. Have we lost our minds? When I say the world is upside down, the country is upside down, this is what I'm talking about. Now... Not spending money is controversial. Back to the story. Indeed, during a hearing last month on the Energy Department's proposed budget, Senator Lamar Alexander, Republican of Tennessee, said he wants to pass clean spending bills in which controversial writers will not be added. Alexander followed through on a promise as chairman subcommittee overseeing energy and water, water appropriations. Senate Democrats, meanwhile appear willing to go along with the appropriations bill as long as they don't include amendments supported by conservatives. Who is in charge of the United States Senate? Democrats or Republicans? That's why I continue to say the Democrats, even though in the minority party, still run the United States Senate. Obama won't tolerate any poison pill writers. He'll veto the bill, said Senator Dick Durbin. As long as he is our backstop, you will have good conduct medals being given out all around. Bingo. That's how Washington works. It's all about them. It's all about the political elites. Let me read that again from Dick Durbin. As long as President Obama is our backstop, you will have good conduct medals being given out all around. That means to Republicans, too. So you have this thing, and here's what one uh, conservative senator said, and he won't identify himself. It's a total farce. The strategy is designed to let moderate Republicans get on record voting for nominally good conservative policy while still allowing bad liberal policy to move forward. 
McConnell is letting Democrats decide which amendments need 60 and which don't. This aide said McConnell theoretically could have used the priority of recognition rule, but the Democrats would have blocked cloture on the underlying bill, preventing it from, from advancing because they opposed the waters of the United States Amendment. But this is what I'm talking about. And you think that one person going to Washington, D.C. when we elect the next president is going to change this? This is a culture, folks. This is a corrupt culture. The Blaze Radio Network, on demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Find more on demand at theblaze.com slash radio. Buck Sexton. Oh, I'm the Prince of Peace, and I'm going around, and you know, I'm talking policy, and I'm great, and I'm John Kasich, and blah 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 blah. And now it's like, oh, and, and I'm the only one who, I'm the only one who beats beats Clinton in head to head. I'm the only. Well, you yeah, know, that's not true anymore. So maybe he'll stop talking. Wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that be kind of nice? Buck Sexton, weekdays noon to three p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network On Demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Folks, former Attorney General of the United States Department of Justice, Eric Holder, is at it again. He's now criticizing this crime bill under Bill Clinton. And he's trying to help Mrs. Bill Clinton get out from under this, the fact that her husband signed on to this crime bill that worked, it led to record decreases in crime and violence in the United States. It saved countless black people from misery, from pain, from the devastation of violent crime. It got tough on crime, and it worked but now, because black lies matter, is holding the mirror up to them and saying, you, Bill Clinton, you, Mrs. Bill Clinton, who, by the way, coined the phrase super predators, these violent individuals of the crack cocaine epidemic sweeping through major urban areas in the American ghetto in the United States, causing Not mass incarceration, but mass addiction. That's what that did. The violence associated with the crack epidemic. So Holder was on a panel the other day. And he was asked about this 1994 legislation. That has now become a rallying point for African American or Activists criticizing former First Lady Hillary Clinton and her current campaign for the White House, according to Josh Gerstein in the political. And here's what Holder had to say. Quote, everybody focuses on the crime bill, and that certainly contributed to the over-incarceration problem, that we do not have an over-incarceration problem. Back to it, it says, 
But I think you also have to understand that there were parts of the crime bill that actually weren't bad. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding, like all of it. But here's what he points out that wasn't bad. And the Violence Against Women Act was part of that. It had an assault weapons ban. Here we go. Deflect. Create an illusion. Go to gun control. What does an assault weapons ban have to do with violence against women? Women are not overrepresented as homicide victims or even non-fatal shooting victims. What the hell is he talking about? The reason why Holder was being attacked is because he served as a U.S. attorney and deputy attorney general during Bill Clinton's administration. And he was the attorney general for the first six years of the Obama administration. So he goes on to say, if you look at this whole use of the introduction of mandatory minimums, It happens in the first Bush administration. Listen to this rotten bastard. Again, deflect. Bush. Gun control. So he goes on to say the crack powder disparity, it happens in the Reagan administration. So this isn't something you put all on Bill Clinton and the Clinton administration holder said. Reagan? I mean, I thought it was bad enough Reaching out for Bush. Bush did it. And gun control. We need gun control. He reaches back to the Reagan administration to blame for Bill Clinton's 1994 crime bill. Reagan had been out of office for a decade. So he goes on to say, but it's certainly a part of American history when it comes to criminal law enforcement. He says, we we overcorrected, things went too far. Oh, really? So basically what he's saying, if you think about this, is he's saying that hundreds of thousands of fewer black crime victims was going too far. That's what he's saying here. Because according to Heather McDonald, criminologist, respected criminologist, she's with the Manhattan Institute, she did some calculation that says, because we started getting tough on crime with this crime bill in 1994, she estimates that 129,000 black males are alive today that would not be. And Eric Holder says things went too far? So, of course, and this story points out, Holder has endorsed Hillary Clinton in the presidential race, and his defense of the crime bill echoed to a degree the defense that Bill Clinton made of the legislation when protesters interrupted a campaign appearance for his wife. You remember that one in Philadelphia. Clinton told the protesters it was aimed at Gang leaders who get 13-year-old kids hopped up on crack and set them out into the street to murder other African-American children. That's a quote from from Bill Clinton. You heard me talk about that. That's precisely what this bill did. This law, this, this crime bill did. It saved the lives of good law-abiding black people. And now these, 
I got to be a little careful here. Now these fools are saying that was a bridge too far. We should have more dead black people. That's what Eric Holder is saying. He would be okay with that. So he was pressed in this this panel by a guy, the the, uh, NPR, National Public Radio host, Michael Martin, who's a friend of, of Holder. But he grilled him. It says here in the story, in a way that Holder was never publicly pressed in office about his personal role and responsibility for the tough-on-crime policies of the 1990s. I'm glad they're calling it the tough-on-crime policies because that's been replaced by the soft-on-crime idiots as the smart-on-crime. No, it is stupid-on-crime. We need to stay the course and draw a hard line on crime as to what will be tolerated in these urban centers. So Martin goes on to say, you were a diverse person at the table when those conversations were going on. So the question has to be asked, why you did or did you bring to the administration this disproportionate impact that it was going to have? Citing the far more severe sentences for offenses involving crack cocaine instead of power. Quote, Martin's asking, that just didn't occur to anybody, did it? So what does Holder come back with? That was the Reagan administration with the 100 to 1 ratio. This guy's pathetic. If they could blame Abraham Lincoln for this, they would, because he was a Republican who freed the slaves, by the way. This is amazing how these folks are recreating history. And they're trying to get away from something that actually helped black people. That's what it did. So you have this situation now, and they don't know what to do with this. Why don't they just admit the obvious? You know, we did that because we were asked to do something about the mayhem occurring in the American ghetto. You know what leads to high incarceration rates? Not disparate treatment. Criminal behavior. So now again, remember I said, and you'll hear me say this a lot now, Politics is about creating an illusion. They're trying to create an illusion now that the crime bill was no good, that it was a bridge too far. But yet, according to Heather McDonald, 129,000 black males are alive today because of it. Think about that for a minute. The illusion. David Clark. The People's Sheriff. On the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. We don't know what they're going to do. I throw this up because I think it's, I honestly want to know if you have a criticism to offer or a question to ask. I say, I am among we who say, don't talk about the rules. There are no rules. I contend right now, there are no rules. There isn't one rule governing the conduct of this Republican convention. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. To David Clark, the People's Sheriff. The final segment here, I came across a study that was done at Washington State University. Now, nobody would accuse Washington State University of being some cop-loving institution. It's a public school. 
and and usually what we would presume is that it is a bastion of liberal ideology. Yet they did a study on um, police shootings, use of deadly force. And actually what it found out was that police are more reluctant to shoot blacks than whites. That's what the study concludes. So here's another piece of research that I can club black lies, L-I-E-S, matter over the head with as they maliciously slander the reputation, the character, integrity of the American police officer, all police officers, but specifically the ones when uh, a white officer uses deadly force against a black suspect. Here's what the, uh, the story points out. And by the way, you won't find this in the New York Times or the Washington Post or any other um, liberal mainstream media outlet. You won't hear about the study on CNN or MSNBC because it doesn't fit their narrative. And these entities are nothing more than a propaganda wing for the left. And in this case, for Black Lives Matter. But it says in the most sweeping study of its kind, police were more reluctant to shoot black suspects than their white counterpart suspects, contradicting the widely accepted racist cop narrative driving movements such as Black Lives Matter. Instead, the Washington State University research, which was conducted before the 2014 shooting of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, lends support to previous studies pointing to a reverse racism phenomena in policing. Quote, we need to move beyond the post-Ferguson atmosphere where all use of force against a racial ethnic minority person is considered biased and unreasonable until proven otherwise. Close quote, concluded the study published in the May edition of the academic journal Criminology and Public Policy. Quote, we need to move beyond this atmosphere that leads officers to put their lives in danger to avoid the significant to dire consequences of using force even when it is justified, the report said the study, it's called the reverse racism effect, conducted by Washington State University researchers, examined the behaviors of 80 police officers from Spokane, Washington, the largest sample sign of its size of its kind, using state-of-the-art life-size video simulators with actors posing as suspects. The officers were given real handguns rigged to shoot lasers instead of bullets, and they wore their on-duty uniforms to create a more realistic environment. Previous studies pointing to racial bias in police have used push-button technologies with test subjects pressing shoot-and-don't-shoot buttons when confronted with images of black and white suspects. Studies dating back to the 1970s have pointed to police racism for the disproportionate number of black blacks shot by law enforcement. One researcher memorably concluded in 1974 that, quote, police have one trigger finger for whites and another for blacks. A 2001 study found that blacks committed 43% of felonious killings of officers, even though blacks made up about 12% of the population. You see where Blue Lives Matter comes into play here? And it's true? You know, the left loves to talk about disparate impact. And they talk about how blacks represent 12% of the population, but, you know, 35% of the people are locked up in prison. So here we have a study that found that blacks committed 43% of the felonious killings of officers, even though blacks make up only 12% of the population. Well, what about that, lefty? 
It says here, the, the Washington State, State University article did not find that officers studied were free of subconscious racial bias. Far from it. In fact, 96% were more likely to associate images of weapons with black faces on the Harvard University implicit association test. That's because of their disparate involvement in, in violent crimes and to carry weapons illegally and to use them illegally. So go on to say that the, the findings reinforce those of two previous uh, Washington State University studies, including a 2013 investigation that found reverse racism in decisions on whether to shoot black or white suspects by police officers, former military personnel, and members of the general public. So, in fact, it isn't that blacks are more quick to pull the trigger against a black suspect, the study says, no, they're more quick to pull the, the trigger against a white suspect. So of the 80, uh, 80 officer participants, 76 were white and 71 were male and had an average of 14.5 years of experience on the force. Quote, although, of course, there are no social or legal consequences for officers in the simulator, these concerns might be so ingrained in officers that they influence their behavior in any Setting, the study says. What about that black lies matter? What about that Barack Obama? What about that Eric Holder? What about that Al Sharpton? I would like to see CNN and and, and MSNBC get Al Sharpton on and ask him about the study and go through it and tell him, Al, you're full of crap. Al, you're race baiting. Several studies, more studies, more, not just one, more studies that disprove your false narrative. And somebody should ask Barack Obama about this study. But of course they won't. But anyway, it's always good to come across this stuff, um, you know, to shoot down the, the emotional, irrational behavior and sentiment. And these race hustlers, these race hucksters, as they impinge the honor, integrity, character of the American police officer. Uh, you know, I'm on this thing on this this criminal justice reform and how Congress is trying to ram through a bill led by the GOP of all people. I came across this article in the Weekly Standard by Jeffrey Anderson. This comes from October of 2015. This is when this thing first started up. So, you know, they, they, they put forth this bill, this Senate bill. And what this article points out is that when the Senate Judiciary Committee announced that it's going to take this uh, bill up, they held their first hearing on Monday, October 19th, the Monday after their recess of Columbus Day. It says here, when many stragglers just back or not yet back from their uh, recess won't likely attend. According to the committee's own calendar, the last time it held a hearing on Monday was nearly two and a half years ago when it was eager to ram through another ill-conceived bipartisan effort, the Gang of Eight Open Borders Immigration Bill. Here's what's going on in Congress. The GOP. 
led by the GOP. Is this why we gave them control of the entire Congress? And and the, the thing that really gets me, I mean, this is ugly public policy. I think this thing is, is racially insensitive toward victims of crime, disparately black and Hispanic victims of crime. But the thing that gets me is their eagerness to do this while the Carry Conceal License Reciprocity Bill, a federal bill that would allow your CCL to be recognized in all 50 states, sits in committee and can't get any movement. You see the priorities of this GOP-led Congress? Again, folks, politics is the art of creating an illusion. We're out of time for today. Follow me during the week at Sheriff Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E, and at thepeoplesheriff.com. God bless you. David Clark, The People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network.